Welcome to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Ray Lee, who is the co-founder and CEO of five-year-old apparel brand, Scene. The company started with a focus on being the Lululemon of suits and now makes a range of custom styles, including denim. I wanted to ask Ray about the company's current approach to workwear and whether its focus on sustainability and inclusivity have served it well in the last year. Welcome, Ray. Thanks so much for having me, Jill. So glad you're here. Welcome. For those who don't know Scene, tell us about it. I think that we were, there was a uh, conversation about the the launch date, five years old, maybe, kind of. Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, we our mission was always to make custom clothing possible for everyone. But it was a very long journey to get here. And we had an earlier version of the business that actually had a brick and mortar component. We had totally different product assortment. It was, uh, you know, people got fitted the old school way uh, with a tape measure in a showroom. The line was much more curated. And then um, so that was um, sort of end of 2015, beginning of 2016 is when that started. And then in 2019, um, we had a very big pivot which is when we finally figured out everything. This, the journey was we had a brick and mortar store in Los Angeles. We were growing, but we were burning a ton of cash. We were two months away from running out of money. And then we realized we needed to make big moves if we ever wanted to get close to that ultimate idea. And so we uh, you know, decided to close the store. We got rid of all of our products. We created that first product that was called the Lululemon of Suits. FlexX suit launched on Kickstarter. We created a smart fit uh, platform as a way to size people without a measuring tape, do it in 60 seconds. And that changed the trajectory of our business. And yeah, and then products have come on since then. Yeah. So never looked back from that physical retail. You haven't returned. Is that you're here to stay online only? Are you considering physical retail? Well, um, it's a good question. Uh, right now, um, you know, we, we we're kind of there's so much runway to keep growing without physical retail. We're looking at different, you know, IRL opportunities, but um, it's probably going to be a little while before we do retail again. I think I have a little PTSD with, with doing retail. <laughs> yeah. So interesting that you started on Kickstarter. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of got you off the ground. When did, I guess, traditional fundraising come into the mix? Uh, in May, 2019 is when we did the Kickstarter. And then we raised our, um, our first, sort of round in December, 2019. And then we, um, you know, uh, that, that was, that was a lot of it was from our customers too. Okay. Amazing. Sounds terrific. So tell me about the flex tech suit. Uh, that's again, what I know you for what uh, we first connected on. was that the hero product until the pandemic or how long, um, would love to know the trajectory from the workwear to maybe non-workwear. And that's it, it's debatable. Is that workwear? Is it not? It's definitely comfortable. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, I, I think the impetus of the FlexTech suit was that we needed to have products that were really interesting, even if they weren't custom. And we needed to have a, more of a flagship product strategy where we had a set of Hero products that had very clear and succinct value propositions. And so that one was easy. It was custom suit, athleisure fabric. And um, we work with, uh, you know, one of the most famous Japanese performance fabric mills in the world. They are probably the best at making performance fabric. So we thought that was a very interesting combination. Um, 
yeah, we, we, I think once we landed on the idea, we were sure that this was going to work. And then, yeah, we launched it on Kickstarter in May 2019. Um, it just immediately worked. And, um, and then pretty shortly after, I think in November 2019, we launched Custom Denim. Yeah. Because Flex Tech was the idea of uh, workwear that was more comfortable. It was, um, it was already trending that way. You know, I think Lululemon's ABC pant was the set the initial foray, made it nor normative for guys to do that. And then uh, for us, we were kind of taking it the next level forward, where regardless of what shape and size you are, you could be comfortable. And then denim, we had just launched it, but it was a much smaller part of our marketing spend. And then when COVID happened, it just immediately, you know, we we're like, well, we, we had to dial in denim pretty quickly. Um, so that, that was initially a little bit of a scary time because so much of our marketing and, uh, and our value prop was around travel. And when that went away, um, we knew that comfort still mattered. And a lot of people, I mean, there, there was a period of time where no one was wearing denim either, <laughs> you know, you're right. helmet and your sweatpants. Um, but I, I think around the fall, uh, last year is when, people started realizing that this is here to stay. I do want to dress up a little bit more and feel more like myself. And thankfully at that point, um, just everything was, was uh, firing on all four cylinders for denim. Yeah. Well, let's circle back. Do you consider yourself a tech company? There's a lot happening here with the uh, performance fabric, the smart fit quiz uh, where, yeah, technology, technology. Yeah. Um, is that silly for an apparel company to do that? I know some do. Yeah. So I think um, there's certainly like a smart fit is at the core of what we do. And so the idea was you have to make, because um, traditional custom is not only is it expensive, it takes a ton of time, right? You have to go somewhere, you have to get sized. And so we created smart fit as a way to where you could be watching Netflix and you could, you know, you're usually scrolling. So you could take the quiz and create a custom size without getting up, without using a measuring tape. Um, so it's been, that is ultimately at the core of what we do. And we're actually launching like a release next year where your shopping experience online is also powered by SmartFit, where it's kind of like Netflix, where each person has a unique shopping experience. So we're going to launch our beta next year where after you take SmartFit, you get a unique shopping experience. Um, so you're seeing models and you're seeing content that is specific to you and it's more relevant and more relatable. Amazing. Do you think that it's just other brands and other, what is it taking for the customer to get this? That, I mean, maybe it takes two weeks to get your products. Are they willing to wait? Is there just more, I guess, awareness in terms of first the sustainability play, but also <laughs> this is how it works, I guess. Like I think the demand and the, the, the speed uh, that everyone's used to could be a hurdle, an obstacle. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think especially there's certainly a segment of people who want it really quickly. And we are doing a ton of stuff and speeding up production. So, you know, when we first started, it took three weeks. Now it takes two weeks. We're, our goal is by the end of next year to get it down to one week. So right. that, you know, that's certainly huge uh, and, and definitely important. But I think for a lot of people, I mean, especially for, you know, talk the topic of denim for a lot of women, denim, buying denim is really frustrating. And yes. there's waist gap issues. There's like all these things. Right. And so if you think about the amount of time it takes to find jeans that 
fit really great. Well, then two weeks suddenly seems like not a big deal. And, sure. and so it, we found that um, speed is not too much of a hurdle. It's really um, helping people understand custom because for a lot of people, um, especially for women where there's not as many custom options, there's this idea of uh, when you say custom, it still means standard size. And they yeah. might think, oh, you offer more cuts and more sizes, but no, we're saying oh, it's actually from scratch and it takes, you have to message that correctly for people to really get like, oh my gosh, this is actually made for me. Yeah. Are there any limits to your cuss, what you're offering? Can any size get maybe a blazer or your denim? Um, does it go from a small, a certain small size to a certain large size? And does the price vary? There is no price increase if you're plus size or ultra petite, um, you know, we have people who are 300 pounds plus who are getting custom denim for the first time. And they're saying things like, finally, I can wear jeans now. So awesome. it's, it's definitely, there's no, um, it, it doesn't take longer. It's not more expensive. Anyone can do it. Yeah. Would you say that your marketing has pivoted? You said it used to be really focused on travel. Um, are you really highlighting this um, inclusivity and the different uh, customers who are able to wear your products now? Yeah. So I think our proposition was really about comfort and style, and you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. We used to talk about comfort in the context of travel. So now we just talk about comfort in terms of normal everyday activities. I don't think we've leaned too hard on, I, some brands have leaned really hard on work from home, you know, and, and I think that might be too narrow of a marketing idea. So we more talk about a life that's busy and being comfortable and they're not forced to choose between style and comfort. Yes. Where are you talking about this? Where is, what's your marketing mix right now? Primarily Facebook and Instagram. And yeah. then we do product collabs. We did our first collab with a UFC champion named Carlos Condit last year, and we're about to launch a really big product collab in November. So on November 1st, we're launching a collab with a really big fitness personality. Okay, great. Is the plan to, does growth mean expansion of categories? Is that the plan moving forward? Yeah. So we are, there's so much room in denim, right? Denim is, um, we, when we do the sizing of the custom denim opportunity within the US alone, you know, we think it's $17 billion opportunity for um, custom denim if it's made on demand really, really fast. So we're gonna be doing a lot in denim, like we're coming out with denim shorts, denim jackets, uh, and then we're gonna push a little bit more into athleisure, into true, um, you know, joggers with drawstrings and um, more comfortable items. So we're gonna go further into that. Uh, but I think the key for us is we always want to make sure that we don't launch products that are just uh, ancillary. Like each time we enter a category, we want to feel like we're making the best possible version of the product that we have. And then we also want to price at an off the rack price. So um, like for our custom jeans, we're working with the same mill that Prada uses. It's ultra comfortable. Um, and it's custom and it's at a price that's less than seven for all mankind or rag and bone and whatnot. And so we want to keep, we want to be sure that we can do that before we enter the category. We're going to be in denim for a while and, and then we'll go to athleisure. Yeah. Is there the same demand for custom athleisure? 
So it's interesting because there is this sort of, and this kind of relates to workwear, right? Like I, I think comfort as an expectation is here to stay. And, you know, things like traditional suiting, I think that market's going to continue to shrink. So there is this idea of how do you take some of the casual silhouettes that are in like normal athleisure and you still want to bring elements of that um, and have it be, so, so I, I think there, I, I used to think there was no opportunity, but the more research we do with customers, we're like, oh, wow, actually there is an opportunity here to do um, sort of a James Purse style of uh, basics that are perfectly made, really comfortable. Um, and we think we can do that custom and do it super fast. So that, yeah. that's something we're looking at. Sounds very cool. James Purse. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me why about your um, smart fit quiz. How has that evolved? And I would think that this is perfecting that process is why a lot of brands don't go there. Yes. So, I mean, it's, it's incredibly complicated, right? Because you have to, it's not just about the quiz and the algorithm itself. You kind of have to, it only works if you have the supply chain stitched together behind it. And so it's, um, you know, what's cool about it is we have like real time visibility into every single aspect of every garment and where it is in any given moment. Um, but SmartFit started as a very like rudimentary algorithm. And then over time, now we're building like deep learning models uh, for SmartFit so that it continues to get smarter the more and more we we, the more and more customers that come in, the more and more feedback that we get. So it's sort of almost becoming an operating system, especially when we um, have it powering unique content experiences for people. It becomes, we call it the hub, actually what we're building yeah. right now. So we brought on a guy who is our you know part-time CTO. He built deep learning models for GOAT, for Dollar Shave Club. And now we're doing that for people so that they can feel like, because a lot of times when you go on websites and you buy stuff, not only are you getting a product that maybe you love the idea, you get it, it doesn't fit you, you don't feel good and you think something's wrong with your body. Uh, but also sometimes you see models and you're like, I don't look like that. So it's hard for you to know what it looks like. So we, you know, we're working on having smart fit power, um, a different browsing experience. That sounds great. What percentage of your uh, crew, your team are like tech data guys <laughs> versus maybe design folks? Yeah. I mean, when it started, well, when in 2019, when we first started building SmartFit, um, we had uh, Mark, like my uh, co-founder, uh, he was he was the only one working on SmartFit, right? Um, and now we have uh, we have five people working on it. Okay, great. I feel like you are very hands-on. Tell me about how you're able to <laughs> sustain, I wouldn't say control, but I definitely get emails from you when you're when something new is coming out and you are very, yeah, you, you're out there, you're doing the work. <laughs> um, as you grow, are you able to do that? Is that important? I also see you in the Instagram, in some of your Instagram posts. Um, yeah, do you need to be in the mix, I guess, as the founder? Yeah, Um in terms of like communicating all the things that are happening. Exactly. And are, are you able to sustain that as you grow um, to be as involved as you once were? Um, are you kind of moving away from that as you get um, as you grow? There are definitely elements of things where I can't be as 
hands-on as I used to be. So I think two, two, two of the things like in the, the last year I've been on the content side, you know, with the volume of creative we're releasing, we hired on a really great um, creative director who has done um, work for a bunch of different brands. So he, that's been a very great hire, you know, so, but I, I do think one thing we want to keep at the heart of the brand is uh, sharing the, the trials and tribulations of, of growing. And um, so, so I think, you know, we're, we're trying to, because the heart of our brand idea is cut your path. So it's all about, uh, doesn't matter what path other people have taken, you got to do your own thing and you, you don't want to be afraid of what, uh, what roadblocks you hit. And also that the dream isn't the destination, it's the journey. So I think we'll continue to share a lot. I like, I, I think Mark and I will continue to be a part of the brand narrative, um, in terms of being pretty open and honest about the challenges of building scene and what's been great and what's been hard. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Well, I love something that I came across on your website. Um, it was it had to do with your VIP program. Um, and let me find it here. It said, um, you know, along with early access to, to products, if you spend a, hit a certain spend threshold, one of the, the, the things you get access to is an exclusive invite to a closed Facebook group with you and Mark to choose new products and colors. Um, tell me about this Facebook group. It's so cool. Well, I think one thing that's cool about the brand is that because the product is so personal, people tend to feel very connected to it. Right. And then I think, um, we always have felt like custom, like if we talk to our customers, we're going to create better products. So in this group, you know, we'll share different things that are going on. We'll share about new products that we're considering. Um, and people have been really great with giving us feedback on things that we need to be doing and, um, you know, of course you don't want the, to just do whatever customers are asking for. Um, but I think that's been tremendously helpful with just getting feedback on product. And sometimes we have certain gut, if we need to gut check certain ideas, we'll go and share it with customers and then they'll tell us what they think. Yeah. That's interesting. What do you think is that balance? I hear a lot of like, uh, I guess it's a, a, threat to fashion overall. I'm a fashion girl for everything to be driven by an algorithm. Um, I guess data driven versus maybe intuition or gut or how would you describe um, or or maybe um, staying true to the DNA or the core of the brand? How would you describe uh, that balance in terms of, yeah, how much data plays into your uh, next steps? Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. So I, I think the, the framework we have is that you want to go to customers to understand needs but you don't go to customers for solutions. So you want to understand their world and the things that are challenges for them, right? So for us, it'd be, um, you know, on the denim side, we want to understand um, for, you know, like, let's say for, for women denim customers, we want to understand like, what are the typical pain points? But we don't go to them and say, tell us uh, what fabric we should be using, what the design and cuts should be and all that. Um, ultimately, I think you have to have your own creative inspiration. You have to do the work of being thoughtful and designing the product. And um, so, so I, I think the the downside, like what I uh, think sometimes happens with D2C brands is 
you're too focused on just doing customer research and then just doing what they tell you to do. Um, but I think it's still important to really have soul to do the work of like respecting the heritage of everyone who's come before you. Um, and then you have to have your own inspiration to create your product. For sure. Well, I think you're sitting on this, I don't know, plethora, hotbed of, of data <laughs> with your smart <laughs> fit quiz. Like you've got yeah. a lot of data on your customers. Yeah. Um, Gosh, have you been able to do anything? I don't know. How are you using this beyond creating clothes? Can you do anything more? Yeah. So I think the the one thing is that we could do that uh, one of our um, investors actually just suggested. He was like, hey, you guys should, um, people could kind of track their journey of fits over time. You know, they're like, oh, in 2010, I was really into skin. Oh, not 2010, but, you know, 2020. I wore loose straight jeans. Maybe five years later, they'll be like, oh, I, you know, and you can sort of map um, some sort of um, like fit genome type of thing <laughs> and yes. servicing data for people on. Um, so there's, there's probably like a lot of really interesting cultural stuff we could look at if we if we take a step back on how preference has changed and um, things like that. So that that's kind of interesting. Um, I also think you know, part of it is, is doing unique shopping experiences for people. Another thing that's been really beneficial for us with iOS 14, um, you know, a lot of brands have been really impacted because you have so much less data, but because for us, people are typically, um, taking the quiz within 24 hours. It's usually the same day they take the quiz. So, and then they're immediately in our funnel. So I think that's been really helpful for us just in terms of the overall marketing funnel. We have a lot more information on customers and uh, it makes it both easier to market. Um, yeah. And so that's sort of like the social contract, right? Like they're like, we'll, get, we'll share more information if you can give me a product that's better for me. Very smart. I mentioned your VIP program. What do you know about your customers' loyalty? Are they coming back? Uh, to maybe match the bottom to the top or <laughs> yeah. How often are they shopping with you? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think um, it's, I mean, it, it's, it, the idea is that you take this one time quiz, right? So we have that universal quiz unlocks access to everything. And then that first order is all about, do I trust you? And right. uh, it's where we build the credibility. And then once they do, they typically will go back and get a bunch of items. So it's so important for us to nail that first order. I think one of the metrics that's been really cool for us is that normally in normal e-com and apparel, if the refund rate, you know, is around like 35%, depending on who you're looking at, but um, for us, it's about 12%. And it continues to improve as we optimize SmartFit. So that's that's one of the things we're, we're really excited about is just um, because it's personalized, there's all these different KPIs that we're seeing that are pretty abnormal for the apparel category. Yeah, I was, that was going to be my next question. Return rate. Very interesting. Well, you have the, all of these grand plans for your site, which sound amazing. Does, th does this mean another round of funding? Um, what will this require? Yeah, so um, we are raising another round of funding. So that's that's about to kick off. Um, we, so, so we're going to do that. You know, I think the fortunate thing for us is we, you know, usually so much of your round goes to funding inventory. And for us, we don't, you know, we get paid before we make stuff. So it's, 
it's much easier. Like we don't need as much capital. Um, we can also, in, uh, in coding, there's this idea of one to many, which is that you can have this one thing, uh, you know, make a bunch of different things with it. And so for us, you know, when we make denim, we buy into denim and then we can wash it and cut it into infinite, uh, you know, set of variations around like high rise, medium rise, low rise, inseam, like your inseam is cropped, full length, ankle length, whatever rips, you know, anything like that. Normally all those variations is, is a, are skews and right. They're different skews and you have to carry all the sizes for that variation. Uh, for us, we don't have to do that. So it, 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 it makes it a little bit easier. So most of our, when we raise money, it's to build out smart fit. Yes. Is your customer demanding that to know more about your, uh, sustainability. I know there's some transparency on your site in terms of your markup and all of that. Um, is that because the customer's demanding that? Are they asking a lot of questions? Is that just the perk of being seen and offering that? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. It, it's actually, so um, we just went, I think sustainability is super important. We are going to be, we just went through actually a multi-month sustainability audit. Um, it's something like we started ourselves. We, uh, one of our advisors, her name's Frida Bailey. She used to be head of supply chain for Adidas. And so with her and her team, um, there's uh, uh, three companies that we all did the audit together. And we came up with a bunch of categories. Some categories we, we do a fantastic job at. And those other categories where there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, and and I, I think, you know, a lot of times there's so much greenwashing on sustainability uh, we were like, we got to be radically honest about things that uh, we're not good at because there's obvious things we're good at, which is like we don't overproduce, which is the biggest problem, right? But other things are we're air freighting um, every single day. And that's a problem, right? Like, you know, certainly the the amount of um, underproduction we have like offsets that, but still it's something we need to think about. How do, what's the long-term vision look like for, um, can we get rid of air freighting? Does that mean we have a network of local manufacturers and some of it are co-owned by scene? So um, we just went through that. Um, and one of the things we're going to be doing is we need to, we want to be transparent on the site for where we're good and also where we're bad. <laughs> we need to improve. Yeah. So that's something we will be doing. No one's asking for that, but we're just going to do it anyway. Um, and just kind of share results from the audit. Yeah. How, what's the state of your, I guess, denim production? It's known, of course, for being a, a very polluting category compared to others. Um, are you looking at things like the dye process and all of that? Or is that something that you've already covered? Yeah. So we were very thankful. We work with this, um, one of the most, like the, one of the oldest denim mills in Japan. They, uh, they've, been, uh, they've been making denim for over half a century their dyeing process is great where they, they recycle the water. So that's so clean. You could drink it. Um, oh so God. that's awesome. You know, they're, they're, they're so good. They've like pioneered some of the initial indigo dyeing methods. Um, so we're grateful to be working with them. We're looking at actually how to build a closed loop model. So we're, we're going to be doing that on the flexex side because, you know, we use polyester, which is bad for the environment. And so the first step is in this, this next batch of flexex that's launching in the fall, we're um, using 50% recycled. Um, but the next step of that, and we're gonna try to see if we can do it on the denim side too, is we are 
going to, um, we're exploring ways to recycle any excess Flexstack into new Flexstack. So that's like the next phase. Cotton's harder because it's, yeah. um, it's much harder to recycle. So we're looking at options for doing that. But the ultimate goal is that one, we never make any piece of clothing unless there's someone who's going to own it. So get rid of that problem. But then also if there are any, if there's anything that's refunded or needs to be remade, we're recycling every single piece into a new garment. Um, so that's the, that's the end goal for us. Great. Well, you mentioned one of your advisors. I have to say you have this kind of all-star advisory board. <laughs> Tell me about the importance of that. When that came into the mix, how you compiled all of those great folks. Do you know all of them ahead of time before launching the brand? Yeah, I, I think they are very kind people that have decided to help us. Um, like uh, some of them I've known before. So for example, Beth Miner, she's the former MD of IDEO, former CEO at Interbrand, and then currently the head of North America for BCG Digital Ventures, where they corporates hire them to launch startups. So Beth used to be my boss when, when I was at Interbrand. And oh, when perfect. I asked her if I, if I could go part-time and just kind of do this project um, that ended up becoming seen, uh, she, she was super supportive. So, um, you know, so, so Beth was from the past, um, but then Frida, who was from Adidas, she, uh, I cold outreach, like I cold reached out to her on LinkedIn and then she was like, yeah, I love what you're doing. Let's like, let's get together. And then through time, um, became, became, uh, became friends. So I, I think very grateful that, uh, folks, I think they believe in the vision. Um, they've also seen us, um, really grinded out over the years, you know, seeing us overcome all the difficulties. And I think, um, so, so I, I think they've seen the journey and that they've been really great supporters throughout. Yes. Well, tell me, are you, uh, speaking of different needs in the apparel <laughs> realm, are you working from home yourself? Yeah, uh, we are. Uh, we're going to the office occasionally. And then I think starting in September, our marketing team is going to spend a couple of days in the office. It's just so hard to do content from remotely, right? It's so hard to review content. So, so our marketing team is going to go in, but our CX team, tech, and our um, production team are, are remote. Yes. Do you need an office? Like, could you downsize? What's We're actually take on upgrading. That? Oh, wow. <laughs> going to office. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just, uh, I think on the content and logistics side, uh, we, we do all our, um, well, now it's changing, but uh, up to this point, we've been doing all our fulfillment in-house because it's too complicated for most 3PLs to take on. So we're, um, and then we're doing our, um, like our content team and logistics team are in the same office. So we actually do have to expand that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a rare thing that I'm hearing. <laughs> you may be the only one, but I think that's, I mean, it makes sense. Hopefully you're getting a good deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, uh, we're trying. Right on. Well, tell me where you plan, where you think you'll land in 2021, maybe compared to last year, uh, goals, projections, what's going on for, for this year? Yeah, so um, we, it looks like we will, Anywhere between three to four X the business Great. Um, uh, this year. That's so also we're really rare. grateful for that. Yeah, we're really grateful. I mean, I, I do think 
you know, obviously the apparel industry took a big hit in 2020. Um, I, I think there are certain trends that have accelerated that are really beneficial to us. So one, this idea of um, obviously the penetration of e-com has been great for us. Uh, the difficulty of trying on clothes in store has made it great for us because now you can take a quiz to get the perfect size. I also think um, it's just accelerated interest in alternative business models, right? So I yeah. think that's been great. Uh, and then I think it's a time where we realize that inclusivity is really important. Sustainability is really important. And um, so we're, we're kind of fortunate to be riding those tailwinds. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there something else in terms of, we talk a lot about on the beauty side, you know, people taking more time for themselves. Your quiz is only like a 60 second quiz, but are you finding that more people are willing to take the quiz? They're at home. They're just, they're in front of their computer anyway. Is there something there? Yeah, there, uh, there absolutely is. I think there's an element of, especially earlier on, people were thinking, well, I'm not going to see people for a while, so I might as well try to perfect my fit. And right. I have time. <laughs> so so uh, de definitely there were a number of customer reviews where people were saying, well, I have time. So why not do this thing? And then, if it doesn't work out, you know, that's okay. Yeah, I can still use a re like the remake process. And uh, by the fall, when I'm out, I'll have, I'll look really good. I also think actually another thing was um, anxiety around returning to the office has also gotten people to buy because of, oh shoot, like I wanna, um, it's almost like going your first day at school. Yeah. People saying like, oh, I, I need to figure out my wardrobe before I see people again. So there's a little bit of that. I've thought this myself. I need to make a grand entrance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, oh, are you gonna have a different look when people see you again? And um, yeah. You can't go, what if you go back and they're like, oh, she went downhill. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Everyone's like checking each other out. Get your scene, make your entrance. Anyway, yeah. Ray, this yeah. was so fun. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much, Jill. It was awesome. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.